Hey there, this is Amanda from She Owns, and you're listening to the She Owns Podcast, the show that helps you own your past, your present, and your future for people who want to live their lives in a more intentional way. Today, we're talking about self-worth with Kimberly Shepard, whose goal it is to cultivate a society in which absolutely no student is left behind, where every person has the supportive guidance necessary to create and fulfill their life goals. She believes that our world is transformed when people love the lives they've been able to choose. First of all, Kimberly, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me with no pre-written questions or anything else like that. <laughs> um, I believe you know, like I'm doing a program that's aligned to the seasons and this month we're talking about self-worth and how it affects us and how, you know, we we may not even realize that we aren't valuing ourselves, yeah. um, that that's what the root of a lot of things is. Or yeah, a lot of things are, I don't know, whatever the grammar is for that. <laughs> so <laughs> um, where do you feel like, do you, I guess, okay, so we're roughly the same age, right? I'm 46 and I think you're around the same age, maybe I younger wish. than me. <laughs> I'm 54, almost yeah, 55. Uh, <laughs> no, I had no idea. I definitely thought we were like the same age. Well, I mean, you're not that much older than me, but I, and I thought I was older. So funny. That's funny. Um, but like, so, but you are also exactly where I am with like your daughter is grown and like, yeah. you're, it's a completely new thing. Yeah. So how, have how has, you know, parenting and been a mo- being a mother and all of that affected your self-worth? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question. I feel like, um, you know, and I, I mean, I think there's there's the piece that's like parenting as a whole, but being a mother, I'm going to speak from a mothering perspective, and I think that early on, so much, too much of my self worth was tied up in my daughter in her. Um, and her development, like her physical and mental development, her, her quote, achievements, even at a young age, um, I just observed that there was a lot of sort of competing around that among other with other women. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not interested in that. And, but I had to reflect, you know, um, my daughter had a lot of challenges, um, which were fairly evident early on, but were not uh, diagnosed early on. So there, I, I received a lot of judgment, um, you know, both from, from people who knew me, from strangers. Um, you know, my daughter wasn't um, always following the path that other people thought children her age should be following. And I, you know, was kind of like, okay, so, you know, I mean, how does that affect you? And if it doesn't, maybe just, you know, step back and (laughs) let us be. And, um, but it really, it it took a toll because um, I began to question, you know, am I a good mother? Am I, you know, is advocating for her and, you know, looking, you know, I did so much research and spoke to so many people and read, you know, books and, you know, peer reviewed articles and, you know, so many medical journals. Oh my gosh. And, you know, part of me was like, is this, 
is this enough? Is this the right thing to do? Should I be more hands off? Should I be, you know, more invested in some way? I couldn't even really figure out how that would be. But, um, and I, you know, I ultimately, I did find my own balance. Um, and I, I, there's a, a core memory that I have. Um, she was a pacifier baby and really helped her, helped her um, sleep in particular. And um, so we let her have it uh, for, for bedtime until like she was like three and um, she didn't take it out of the house. She didn't, you know, like she just needed it at bedtime, but I started getting pressure um, from a couple of our healthcare providers that like, you know, this might not be good for her teeth or, you know, ear infections. There were all these things and, you know, she really by now should be done with this. And, um, and so, you know, I was like, all right, they, you know, they've said it, I'm going to follow through with this. I can do this. And, um, (laughs) and we did. And honestly, the results were disastrous. I, it was years and years and years. And I don't actually know, it's horrible to say this. I don't know that she ever fell asleep the same way again to this day. And it's, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And what I learned from that is to trust myself. Yeah. Absolutely. To, you know, trust my own knowing, my own understanding of myself and of my child. And, and I found that that like expanded into so many other things, you know, as I really sat with that, like I didn't need to prove anything to other people in my business in my in my personal life when i when i left my marriage um there were so many people i mean people who i know really love me um who said things that were I, I don't think intentionally hurtful but things like you know no one will ever treat you as well as he did um you'll regret this you'll go back and then maybe he won't want you anymore and i was like whoa <laughs> How about if I'm just not happy and I'm choosing a different path and that can just be my choice? Like, ow. People say um, those kinds of things to men, like yeah. uh, the men of the relationship. I don't think they say those kinds of things to them. No, I don't think so either. Hmm. Nope. Interesting. Um, but I, uh, when, after the whole pacifier removal incident, which I mean, is honestly just like, <laughs> even that night was like the wildest night but um, I was having lunch with a friend who's older than I am, older enough that she had daughters that were almost my age, daughters I was in college with. And I respected her very much. And she had a very, very good relationship with her adult daughters. And I said, I told her the story and I said, you know, what would you have done? And she said, you know what? I've never heard of a kid going to college with a pacifier have you? And I said, I have not. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I guess somewhere between age three and, you know, leaving the house, she probably would have given it up on her own. Don't you think? And I said, yep, I do. And she said, and are we, you know, as, as mothers, isn't it our job to put them first in, you know, in, in whatever ways is appropriate and she said, you know, so like, let, let her lead, you know, let, let her decide when she needs to give something up as long as it's not, you know, harming her. And I, you know, I really, that was 
such fabulous advice. I wish that all young mothers got that piece of advice because yeah. a similar, well, this is not at all similar because it happened when right after my oldest son was born. So it was like 21 years ago, Monday is when he was born. And oh. um, we were in the hospital. It was a horrible birth. Like I labored for 12 hours and could not get him out. So they finally sliced me open and got him out. And then overnight, you know, he was asleep and the nurses came in and said, you need to wake him up every two hours to make sure that he's eating enough. So I did because I didn't know any better. And then for the next nine months of my life, he woke up every two hours and wanted to eat and literally would take over an hour to just slow drain the milk out of me. And I was so like for nine months, I did nothing but breastfeed this child. And I have huge regrets around listening to other people and what, but I think that also helped form some choices I made later in life, which I, I honestly did not realize how much advocating for my kids has turned into me advocating for myself. Yes. Like I did not realize it until this moment while we were having this conversation (laughs) that I like, I was pretty naive growing up and just, you know, trusted that people cared about me and would always be there for me and take care of me. And as such have been taken advantage of many times throughout my life. But my children, we were just watching old home videos because I've, Mm -hmm. I found some videotapes of my great grandparents. And so I've been digitizing those for my grandma. And um, so Jeremy's been doing the same for videos of our kids so that they have digital versions of them. Yeah. And my oldest son was chaos in a bottle. Like he was, <laughs> he did not need a diagnosis for anybody to know that he had ADHD. Like he right. is, he's was insane. And my daughter was not as bad as he was, but also has ADHD. And she in kindergarten, they wanted to hold her back because they called me and they're like, I think she might need to redo kindergarten. And I said, why is she like behind? Like, what is the reason? And they said, well, she just can't sit still. She, she gets up in the middle of class and wanders around. And I said, well, that is not a good reason. She is not going to repeat kindergarten because she can't sit down. That is, that is okay. And so they didn't hold her back, but it's just like that reason of that. She's not a good little soldier who sits in her chair all the time is that's not a good reason. So there I was like, no. And my son, multiple times, people are like, you need to have him tested for ADHD and get him on medication. And I'm not, I'm not doing it. He, he is not out of control. He is not a bad kid. If you give him a book, he'll go sit in a corner and read because that's all he really wants to do. So (laughs) just let him read. (laughs) If he finishes his work, let him read. And I'm not medicating him. He's, he was six years old. And I'm like, I'm not putting him on a medication at six years old. I don't know how that will affect his brain in the future. You know, as his brain develops, then maybe someday we'll do medication, but not now I'm not doing it. But yeah, I just never really realized how advocating for them really has turned into me advocating for myself because I didn't know how to do it before. So, wow. And it's like you, even even in places and, and spaces where it's like not 100% okay, it's always more okay to advocate for our children than ourselves. Always <laughs> in yeah. any situation. Absolutely. So doing that, it it is like, well, wait a minute. Can I not do this for me too? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and where and how and 
Yeah. That's really, wow. I just never really realized it's crazy how, you know, you just end up almost 50 and you're like, oh wait, like I'm not the same person I was. Like, I feel like I haven't changed that much since I was a teenager. Like, I feel like I, I'm still blunt and you'd think somebody who's super blunt would like always be advocating for themselves, but I never really did. (laughs) And I think, you know, like for me, I was the household I was raised in and the, 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 the culture I was raised in was, was, you know, didn't have that as a piece of things, even to be honest. And I, and in, this is no way, you know, um, uh, you know, putting down my parents, but even them advocating for me wasn't really a thing um, unless, you know, I, I think like, you know, they could see like clear harm coming. Yeah. They, there was no like preemptive advocacy. It was, yeah. you know, reactive. And, and I think again, it, it was, that was cultural and um, you know, there, there were a lot of pieces to it, but I think, you know, as, and I, again, I too blunt loud. I mean, I was always, you know, being told like, be quiet, like, you know, your opinion, like, come on now. I mean, I, you know, I've told the story many, many times of being in, um, like my my um, religious education class and being told that we were going to pray for these babies in in this other country. I'm not going to say where or what, but um, and I like whip my hand in the air because I was like, oh my gosh, you know what's going on with these babies? Why do we need to pray for them? What's happening? And they were like, oh well, they don't know God. And I was like, excuse me. I mean, I was in literally second grade. Yeah. And I was like, you told us like this last week that God loves everybody, knows everybody, is in all of us. Yeah. But not those particular babies. Everybody else but those babies? Or are there other babies? I mean, I literally was just like, what? You you're not making sense yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> get your story straight. And I mean, like, you know, my like they called my mom and I had to like have a big conversation because I was being like, you know, I don't talking back. And I was like, but this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like explain it in some way where it makes sense. And then we can just move forward from here. But it wasn't, it was, you know, (laughs) it was some yucky stuff happening (laughs) and I was seeing it and calling it out. But again, second grade, you called that out. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, my folks didn't love it so much. <laughs> but but again, that was like me advocating for someone else. Yeah. You know, I, it wasn't, I, I, I didn't have tools. I, I didn't, you know, even when things didn't make sense for me, I just assumed that that was how it had to be, you know, as a young person. Yeah. And, you know, even my, my daughter's 17, I mean, I look at things that she does and says and the ways that she thinks about situations. And I think to myself, like, it's the difference between, you know, I was, I I mean, I, you know, I went away from home to college. I studied in another country. I, you know, like I did a lot of things independently, but I didn't have this sense of myself yeah. This, this sense of self-worth that yeah. she has. And I think it's, 
there are a lot more of her, of Gen Z that has that than, than our generation had, particularly at that time, because, you know, again, I think culture and so forth. Um, and I just, I marvel at it. And I just think where, you know, I mean, I think there's two pieces, like, where would I be now if I'd had that at 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, you know, just sort of a tender thought. And then, you know, where can she go and who can she be with herself? You yeah. know, I, I think when our kids are babies or really young, there's a lot of like this, you know, what are they going to be when they grow up? And, you know, I mean, I've made jokes that I mean, part of why I named her was that, you know, it sounded good with doctor in front of it, PhD behind it, you know, Madam President, whatever, like, you know, I, I and those really are jokes. I mean, although the, the, her name does sound good, but those things, but, <laughs> but, but I, I somehow escaped the trap that her achievements were a reflection of my worth. Yeah. And that, you know, I think part of that transition was the struggles that she did have and that we went through together. Um, you know, finding out what they were, getting her support, adaptations, et cetera. But also then seeing, you know, as she overcame things, that wasn't my victory either. Yeah. Like, whoops. (laughs) It's all hers. Yeah. But I mean, part of her victories is your support and you being her mother. So you do get yes. that win. Yes, but I mean, absolutely. equally, their mistakes are not necessarily right. our mistakes. And no. all we can do is support them through them. So, yep. yeah. yeah. I tell parents that all the time because when they come to me and are, you know, feeling like shame about, mm. you know, something going on with their kid. And, you know, half the time, like, I don't even get the full story at first because they don't want to tell me. And I'm like, you know, it's like you you didn't cause this like you know I I mean and I mean your child's brain is literally not even fully developed like oh my goodness like you know they're gonna make mistakes and you know and you're gonna make mistakes with them and you know that's that's part of it but it there is there's a there's a ton of pressure as if I almost think like we we have children and then it's like we're gonna like present them to the world as a as like an offering. Yeah. And they should be the best offering we can possibly produce. Um when in fact it's <laughs> mean, not how it works. Yeah, it isn't at all. Yeah. It's crazy these perceptions that we come up with somewhere. I don't know where it even comes from, but like we feel these pressures to produce the perfect offering. And it's like, that's not real. Like that it's not even a thing. (laughs) No. And, and it's like, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, in with conversations with like teachers of hers over the years and things like, you know, I would approach it as, you know, well, what are, you know, are you seeing anything that is of concern or, you know, things like that. And, I would watch sometimes as they would like be very hesitant to broach certain topics. And, you know, I think over time I became aware some of them would share that, you know, they would just get such heavy duty resistance, even anger from some parents 
with, you know, presenting basically, you know, know your child is not perfect. Here are some things that could be improved upon, whether they're academic things, behavioral things, whatever, social things. And I was like, yeah, um, I'm I'm actually really familiar with the fact that my child isn't perfect because I'm also not and no one I've ever known heard of is perfect. So yeah, we, we should probably like focus on <laughs> anything that we can do to, you know, help her help you help her. Um, you know, what can I do at home to, to make that, you know, better, easier, whatever. And, you know, so I think there's like all these parts in place where we're all sort of doing this, you know, I don't know, dance of Mm -hmm. raising children together, parents, teachers, neighbors, friends, families, you know, when my daughter was young, there was, you know, timeout was very popular yeah. And I literally couldn't understand it. I was yeah. like, so you move your child to some space, a chair, a corner, a step, whatever. And your child just stays there quietly for some time that you decide. I, I, like, I was like, how does that work? Yeah. Because I mean, I tried because again, this was like the popular <laughs> thing. And I mean, she just moved immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Or if my son actually sat still, all he was doing was plotting what he was doing next. Right. And yeah. so there's like, this is not a good thing for him. I, I don't like, need him sitting there like thinking. reflecting on what they did bad and recognizing like how they could do better. Like what, what, how, how do they do that? Like, who, yeah. what, what are we giving them to, to help them? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, we're just like, go sit in the work. <laughs> and, you know, but when I would tell people that I don't do timeouts, I mean, it, it would be like, like, I don't feed her. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What's These people are <laughs> and I mean, you know, and I mean, my literally my own parents, family members, friends would be like, well, if you just and I would say, listen, please take her for a day and you are welcome, aside from harming her, to try whatever you want to try and let me know how it goes. Going <laughs> full well, it will not work. <laughs> No, but maybe I mean, you'll understand my plight a little bit. <laughs> and I, you know, we had to be so careful even hiring, um, you know, babysitters. Yeah. Because there were so many people. I mean, I mean, she would have babysitters in tears. And I mean, I'm like, this was like early school age, even preschool. Like, I'm like, a, a child not related to you under the age of five is making you cry like whoa yeah and mine I had three of them so like if anybody came here to babysit it was just like coming into a tornado and there was no hope for them whatsoever (laughs) they were wild they were feral (laughs) you know and at some point too I think you know you know when I think about self-worth I think about planting those seeds in her and it, and it wasn't always necessarily conscious that I was doing it but I think you know all along it was it was believing her when she said things which was yes. you know a concept that I would say was a little shaky in my own childhood yeah um and so I just decided I was just gonna lean into that like let's yeah. try this uh, you know, a, a friend of mine once said that that raising a child is a grand experiment. And, you know, you only know if 
<laughs> if you've been a miserable failure, like way down the line. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> and I mean, you know, but like there is, you know, it is an experiment. And yeah. one of the variables in the experiment is your child. And since yes. they're unique and not the same as every other, you know, newborn, three-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever, you know, you do have to try different things. But I think all along it was like when she told me things, even if they made no sense to me, yeah. you know, she couldn't wear socks with seams for a period of time. Um, it was not easy, in fact, to find any socks without seams, certainly socks that were pretty and matched her outfits and things like that were pretty much no. Um, but I didn't just try to force her into socks with seams because yeah. it was very clear that that was extremely right. difficult for her. Yeah. And like, okay, like then let's just solve the solve the root of this problem. And I, you know, now I look back and I see that like my believing her and just working to solve the problem, yeah, you know, planted seeds that she could do that later too. Right. Just trust herself. Yeah. Solve the, you know, and I mean, I've, I see it now, you know, she, she learned to drive, she got her license, was fine, was confident, and then had a, just the tiniest little fender bender in our driveway of all places <laughs> and, you know, really no significant harm done anywhere to anything, but it really rattled her and yeah. she just couldn't, she just wouldn't drive for, for ages and ages. And I just let it be. Yeah. It was hard. I, I wanted to like fix it. I wanted to encourage her, but I could just see there was so much anxiety around it. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, let's just support her. And, you know, her father and I decided like, we'll can just continue to drive her places until she's ready. Yeah. And it was like, it was so much like when she was little, it was, it went, it, you know, it went on for a period of time that felt longer than maybe we would have wanted. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, she was like, I think I'm going to drive myself today. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you have a license, so <laughs> you can do that. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, and it was, it was like that, like magic, but not yeah. because again, same principles when she was young, it was, you know, like letting it, letting it be at her own pace and her own yeah. time being supportive and not making it like into a thing. Yeah. Yes. I, I, my son, when he was my oldest one, when he was two or three started stuttering really randomly, like mm -hmm. just no real reason why. And I read, I was so worried about it. Just so worried about it yeah. and read and read and read and read and read. And then I finally decided same thing. I'm just gonna not anymore. Cause I was like, slow down. You're talking too fast. You know, just like all of the things that they tell you to try. And I was just like, I'm not even going to mention it anymore. I'm just, yeah. it's not working. It's making it worse. And I don't know, a month later he stopped doing it. And so I don't know. I don't know what caused it. I don't know. Right. What, I, I don't know why it went away. I don't know, but it worked itself out. So, and I've actually learned that a lot in my own life with a lot, you know, for myself, a lot of things where I would knee jerk react to things and be like, 
I have to fix this right now and be panicky and get all upset and like snap at people. And I have realized like things usually work themselves out and it doesn't require me going crazy to make that happen. Just like (laughs) breathe, calm down. It will be fine. Like just nothing is that urgent, you know, unless you're dying and none of, I haven't yet. So (laughs) Like I haven't gotten there yet. So just chill. It'll be, it'll be okay. And just letting things work themselves out has so far been working. So, yeah. I, when my daughter was younger, I I had different checklists for her to like mental checklists for her to like review things. Like when you can interrupt me when I'm on the phone, like these are the things you need to think about and like you know this was this was related to like I would be on a work call and I would say you know are you or someone else bleeding you know um do you smell smoke like is there water running that you can't get to stop like and I you know those very valuable list (laughs) And, and like we, you know, and I started like doing that and then, you know, we would do it for different things, you know, um, if you're, you know, and I would even kind of like help her like problem solve with those kinds of like self-reflection questions. And then, you know, I started using it in my business with, with clients. And then I was even starting to use it with myself. Yeah. Like this feels like you know, the, you know, this situation feels, I'm, I'm feeling panicked about it. Oh my gosh, I have to, you know, this or that or whatever, or, (laughs) Or. (laughs) and I sometimes literally will go back to like those questions. Like, is anyone, any, anyone or anything bleeding? You know, it, do I smell smoke or see fire? (laughs) Is there water running that I cannot stop? Like, these are things that are emergencies. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps (laughs) things like, you know, a client sending me something at 5 a.m. isn't actually an emergency. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a really good, you should probably publish that list and say, this is, this is the new, this is the new standard for, is this an emergency? If it doesn't, if it's not, it's not. So just chill out. I used to have a team of people that worked for me back when I worked in higher ed. I, um, you know, there, there are so many, I mean, I think all businesses have this kind of culture where like everything's urgent, everything's in a panic. And I would repeatedly tell my people, we are not in the organ transplant business. <laughs> there is nothing that we do that will irrevocably alter someone's life. Yeah. Just there just isn't. Yeah. They're not that powerful or important, <laughs> which is really helpful because then any yes. panic, I mean, we can just take a breath. Yeah. And we can, you know, say, hey, what needs to be done here? How do we look at this differently? Can this wait till tomorrow? Whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, organ transplant, that's very urgent and, you know, extremely important. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I've learned recently, and again, this is another reference to being a mother and that I, you know, I've never really did this for myself until I have these grown kids who I see them, you know, interacting with people and the way they're showing up in the world and specifically relationships with people who you may have known since your childhood and people grow apart and people form new views from being around, you know, changing things. I grew up in a very conservative church situation in central Ohio um, to the point, like we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, always for my entire life. If you missed one, you were in so much trouble. I mean, we lived 45 minutes South of Cedar point and you're in Ohio. So you know what Cedar point is. And we would like, if I was going to Cedar Point on Sunday, I had to go to church first. And then yep. I was allowed to go to Cedar Point. And I'm like, but by the time I get there, the lines will be so long. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Didn't matter. No. There was no bending on this. The only time yeah. I got to miss church was when I had chicken pox. That's it. The only time. So, you know, I grew up in this situation, and there are people who I have known since that time. And I feel like I have to maintain relationships with them because we grew up together. And then I realized like, I don't want my children to maintain relationships with people just because they grew up together. Like if they're awful to them, why, why would I encourage them? So why do I do that for myself? Right. And it just occurred to me, or well, this, it actually just happened very recently. And in Ohio, you know, we have a, a, Issue number one is coming up on the ballot very soon. And I grew up being completely pro-life and Mm. I, I still think I would probably make that decision if it was for myself, but it is not my business to tell anybody else what to do with themselves at all. And an old friend messaged me and she's like, I would like you to use your influence to, to get people to vote this way on this issue, um, because the Bible speaks to this. And this was all she said. And I just replied and I said, sorry, no, I will not. Like, I don't, first of all, don't manipulate me saying things like the Bible speaks to this. You didn't give me any examples of where the Bible speaks to this. Nothing that came out of Jesus's mouth that, you know, spoke to this. So it is not my business. It's not my business. What other women do. And it's not my business and no. nobody should be legislating my body or anybody else's no. body. And so, yeah, she unfriended me and I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess that's the way it is. And really it was my children and thinking about what I want them to force themselves into a box to maintain a relationship with somebody just because they'd known them for 30 years. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Why, why would, why would I think they should do that? But I do that all the yeah. time. So, yeah, I, I've been through this even with my, you know, with like close family members. Um, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I too was raised, uh, religious conservative, uh, tiny rural community in New Jersey, um, which exists, even though people find that hard (laughs) to believe. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, my parents were, and my mother still is, my father has passed, but my mother, you know, is still very, very devout and very, um, you know, focused in that area. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, from a fair, you know, again, from from literally like second grade was was like, huh. And, 
Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, it, it, I tried at different times because honestly, and, and I talked about this in other settings, like the sense of community that there can be in, in, um, in, you know, a, a faith uh, group or faith community is, um, you know, I think if you haven't experienced it, you, it's hard to know, it's hard to understand the level of, um, you know, attraction to that. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, to this day, even though I'm, I'm not a part of that community anymore, um, you know, I, I long for that level of community. And I think that I've tried to, you know, I tried different religious communities, you know, over my lifetime. And I, you know, tried communities of other types to create that feeling again, because it it's, you know, there's, there's, and again, I think there are aspects of that community, even the attraction to it that probably aren't healthy. Yeah. Um, but there are aspects of it that really are beautiful and agreed. Yeah. I mean, my dad passed two years ago. Well, no, a year ago, hasn't been even two years yet. And my mother needed a new roof on her house and the men from the church showed up, cleared it all off in four mm -hmm. hours. So, you know, the crew could get in there and do the work. And I was just like, I don't know any other community that would do something like this for a woman who needed help. Yeah. And so, so there is value to that, but yeah. yeah. And I, you know, but I, there were so many pieces of that, that I, you know, had to fight against and had to yeah. like work through and honestly still have to work through that. I, I just didn't want my daughter to have that same experience. And so even, you know, from a young age, I would say to her, you know, whatever, a family member says to you like about your, for example, like, you know, dyed blue hair. Um, you know, that's just about them. Yeah. They may be scared. They may be, you know, they're more comfortable fitting in. They don't want to stand out. So they're nervous for you standing out. What is that going to mean for you? And I would just like frame it in that way yeah. that, you know, their critique or comments to you are about them. And, you know, you don't have to really think anything more about them. So anything they say, you know, just be like, oh yeah, well, that's, you know, that's them. Right. And, you know, fortunately that, you know, that worked. Um, okay. She, you know, really doesn't, it doesn't concern her. Um and even, you know, and it makes me sad sometimes that she doesn't have closer relationships with, you know, family members and things like that. But I, you can't have really close relationships with people who don't fully accept you for who you are. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have experienced similar. My daughter has her nose pierced and we all have tattoos and stuff. And there's certain members of the family like they don't necessarily say anything, but you can see them looking at you like, yeah. oh, is that a new tattoo? Like, but I don't want to ask about it, but I noticed it. I want you to yeah. know I noticed it. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. So where can I send people um, for your website, et cetera, oh, socials, uh, all I'm of that stuff? KimberlyShepherd.com. Okay. Uh, Shepherd like the dog, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, you know, I work with uh, teens and young adults on life, career, college planning, managing next steps.
What I love so much about what you're doing in the world is the compassion that you bring to your work. And, you know, obviously I haven't worked with you, (laughs) but, you know, I have college age kids, but they kind of made their own choices and went their own way. So I didn't need your services, but I see, you know, talking about the stories that I've seen you talk about and stuff. And you are just such a a breath of fresh air in this space that you aren't just like, this is what you need to do. And this is how you need to get there to do it. Like you're like, let's explore things. <laughs> and I love that so much because Thank I think you. that's exactly what kids need now, not strict, rigid rules. And yeah. this is the only way to get what you want. Like, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how compassionate you are. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm going to hit stop. Thank you for listening to the She Owns podcast. If you're interested in learning more about what She Owns is all about, head over to sheowns.org. Whether you're needing support around your business or your life, we've got you covered. Our all-in-one business suite gives you all the tools you need to run an online business. And She Owns Her Life is a year-long program aligned to the seasons to help us return to a natural rhythm, reclaim our wild power by rediscovering who we are, and relearn how to be our strong, independent selves in a world that wants us to conform. Head over to sheowns.org and learn more.